Welcome to She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at itchesino. Yes, this glare is like unbearable. I'm like just looking at myself in the in the camera like wow, that's horrible, but you guys, I can't with the context today. But it's not about that. It's not about that. We have a live Q&A right now coming up. I'm super excited. You guys know when uh, the content kind of dries up a little bit, it's time for a Q&A. We're going to talk whatever you guys want to talk. Um no personal stuff. Let's try to keep it, you know, football related, but euros, transfers, whatever, whatever you guys want to talk about. So this should be fun. And there's about 26 of you guys watching already. Awesome. You're on time. So I love that. Make sure you guys are liking the video and subscribing to the channel. And I have a panel today to help me out. So I'm going to go ahead and bring them in. Long awaited return from for Gunnar Souls. Hey, Souls, you're back. <laughs> yeah. Just I feel like things are different. Away. Aren't things different now? A little bit? Have you been yeah, here well, since I had the new intro? <laughs> yeah, things are different. The background's different. Yeah, no, it's, it's improvements and it. There's levels to the game and you just got to keep elevating and improving. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're, we're happy to have you back. You guys say hi to Gunnar Souls in the chat box. We have George. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain. And Harry's here. Hey, Harry. Oh. Sorry, just having my drink. Hello, how's it going? <laughs> How many outfit changes are you going to do? Yeah, so you were I, wearing I just, that a couple of minutes ago. I, know, I just got really, really hot, so I just quickly took my jumper <laughs> off. Oh, it's really hot in this room. Uh, yeah, how's it all going? Looking forward to chatting to you guys. I think we might be the only four people that haven't been offered the Spurs job. So it's good to, <laughs> I know, pretty well, much. Well, not yet. I'm still looking for my, uh, yeah, well. my call. I'm still waiting no, no, I to turn, I turned it down. Just like, no, it's just... Well, what have I got to work with? Ah, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I Plus mean, Spurs in it. I mean, come on. Like we talk about how bad we are, but let's be real. <laughs> let's be real. They can't find a manager, and it looks like how maybe did he get turned down that many times, <laughs> like wow. twenty times. I can't believe um, no to Nuno's trending. I just went on Twitter now as you're doing your introduction, and it looks like Nuno Espirito might be quite close. And I can't believe Spurs fans are dismissing him. I think he'll be At a this rate, they should them. just take a Sunday league manager because, like, then they've got no hope. I don't know how you're saying no. How? 
Yeah, there's, well, there's no one left effectively. I think he's. I think he'll be a good manager for Spurs. I think that's a, that's the direction they should be going in, um, rather than just, know, just getting though, a big name for the take of it. Like, yeah, well, based on kind of like what they're trying to do in this brand that they're trying to build, like they know they need to have a certain type of manager to actually attract. You know, contrary to what people want to believe, like <laughs> we work like not that great, and we have a novice manager, but Arsenal still means something. Spurs means nothing. So without a manager that can help them attract people, it's dead. You know, Nuno's not going to help you attract anybody. I don't even think they're going to have – well, they may have George Mendes helping them out, but still. Mendes you know. and Paratici are going to be a really fun combo for decades. <laughs> I just can't wait the the strain that's going to do. Oh, God. No, that's no going to be hilarious. So, <laughs> But enough about them. I mean, we did kind of slate Harry Kane yesterday. That was fun. But, you, have to. you know. <laughs> we have to. But yeah, you guys, so we're doing live Q&A. Just start dropping your questions in. You know, make sure it's obvious that it's a question. If it's to somebody specifically, go ahead and say that as well. That's perfectly fine. Let's see what you guys are saying in the chat so far. So Henrik says, White is a good buy. Great player that we need now that Louise is gone. We can't improve as a team if Holding is our starting center back. Sorry to say it. Do we agree with that? Can we can we improve with holding still, you know, starting? No. no. Not with holding. No. Not with holding? No. But can we agree that he's not as bad as maybe people are making him out to seem? He's Rob. not on Arsenal level, though. That, that is what I'll say. Rob is a tough one. Uh, okay, Rob, Rob is a really tough one. I, I relate it very similar to Hector Bellerin in a sense where it's a model professional. It's great for the culture. Uh, he's a great guy, but if you're being brutally honest on playing perspective, completely playing perspective, he is not the level that we need in order to compete to where we want to be. And so he's one of those, again, where you're like, I love the man, just not so much the player. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, kind of I think that's a good example. I think Bellerin is probably, in terms of like his progression, I think he's went backwards, whereas... Rob Holden, there has been steady improvement. So uh, I wouldn't go as far as saying that uh, like we have to upgrade him or, you know, it's an urgent an urgent upgrade. I think he's been a decent decent servant for us. But I think if we're looking to, like you say, get to the next level, then he's a player that you can improve on. Um, I would like him to stay, though. I've got to be honest with you. I would like him to stay. Um, because I'm, like George said, he's a good man. And I think good men are important in squads uh, because it is a squad game. So I would like him to stay, but I think if we sign Ben White, I think he'll be looking to move because he wants first team football. Mm. King Saint Gabby and Gunner asks, "Do you think Ben will get a fair chance? I hope the fan base won't turn on Ben White because of the Saliba saga." You know, you think? I don't. Th I don't think they'll turn because of the Saliba thing. I think they'll turn because of the price tag. Um, more because the, the thing is, right? If you're being a rational fan, the Saliba thing, we need to kind of understand, look, he is a lot younger. Um, he's not the final product just yet. And you've got to sometimes, you know what, trust that the club maybe do know what they're doing. Obviously, Arteta said, look, I'm going to give him the preseason. I'm going to evaluate how I see him. If he doesn't put the performances in or doesn't do what's required, he isn't going to be part of the next season setup. He's going to be more than likely loaned out. And I think that's a sensible thing to do. And that's what you you've got to make sure the players are ready. And I think I think that's that's I think it's a price tag more than Saliba. Well, okay, there's there's so many aspects to this. First on the price, what I don't understand is Nathan Ake has gone 
last year from Bournemouth for 40 million pounds. And he didn't have an international cap at the time of signing. Okay. That's worth an extra 5 million pounds just on pure price negotiations. So whether you think it's right or not, the precedent has been set and you know, that's the market. So in terms of the price, I don't understand this overpaying thing, to be honest with you. Comparable precedent from Nathan Ake shows it isn't overpaid. Think, it's fair. No, no, but, George, I think, I think it's because we don't do enough in a window. And then when we do spend big money on one player that maybe isn't necessarily needed at the club, that's, I think, why people lose it. Well, that's where I was going. So the thing is, all of your fear and anxiety right now is coming on off-the-field assumptions of what you may feel that it impacts on our overall budget. It has nothing to do on Ben White, the quality of the player. And this is what you know really frustrates me in terms of how we're going to be looking at this transfer because I don't think he'll get a fair chance. I think we're going to become accountants about this and we're going to have you know a really poor perspective in terms of how he will play. Like When you break it down just logically, what Arsenal are doing first is very clear they're addressing what happened the worst in our season last summer right now with Lakunga and Ben White when uh, when injuries happened to Louise and Partey we struggled to implement our system that was completely factual so what we're doing right now is we're fixing those gaps first before addressing the holes that's what I see as a clear plan in terms of Ben White he's the perfect model Arteta player in terms of our criteria again just going back from the outside perspective he's versatile great over five or 15 yards. You know, he fits the philosophy of a ball carrying progressor. He's among the best in the league at ball progression. Like when you break it down in terms of the Saliba thing, which again, I have some stakes in, let's just look at it logically. I've said, does everybody honestly feel that Saliba with no precedent, no matter how much you love him, is going to be available, no injuries for 38 games a season in terms of consistency, plus FA Cups and Carabao Cups. Now, if you can show me a logical example, no matter how much I love William Saliba, of that actually happening, like a legit precedent of a 19-year-old doing that for a top six club, I'll join hands and I'll poo-poo the Ben White. But even then, there's backup options to understand it. You know, when you look at Ben White potentially as a right back, which we talked about a couple or a week ago, when did we do that video, Jess? I think week and a half ago. Yeah, like um, a week ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. The the idea that he could be a right back, he's an upgraded Chambers. We've said it then, and that's kind of the case when you look at him right now. In terms of him building in a three, he's done that for Brighton as a third center back on the right-hand side. And when we transition into midfield and him stepping in, that's the exact role that he's done for many teams, including Leeds, including Brighton. So when you're looking at it from a playing perspective, I see the check marks. When you're looking at it from a price perspective, look, I hate the market, but I'm sorry, like the precedent's there. So it gets a check from me. And then ultimately, that last fear and anxiety comes in, do you believe this affects our overall budget? I say no. If I'm getting a target, again, I don't believe that you know what you spend equals priority in terms of the transfer window. What I believe it means is what's the easiest transaction to do and to complete. I don't think it, it equals the transfer priority in terms of what we see as a window. So I look at it quite differently, but look, I respect what people are thinking about it. I just think if you look at the play, the sole play of the player, you will figure out that this is a very crude and very smart acquisition that I believe will in the fullness of time be quite cheap, to be honest with you. Yeah. And the example of Fofana, which I know is probably running through people's heads, you know, a 19 year old that comes in and, the narrative there is not quite 
correct in context is not being used. You know, yes, Fofana comes in and has a good season for Leicester. Let's just talk about Leicester for a second. We're Arsenal and they're Leicester. The expectations are different. You know, Arsenal's defenders, their mistakes last for a lot longer than Leicester's. I don't think you guys can probably even remember the last time Leicester, a Leicester defender made a mistake. It's because it's here today, gone tomorrow. Arsenal's defenders, they live, they become compilations over and over and over again. You know, and don't think for a second, people wouldn't love to see William Saliba fail at Arsenal Football Club. Not only that, they have an environment that's conducive to young players being successful because they had a Johnny Evans either standing next to Fofana or a Soyuncu standing next to Fofana. That's completely different than standing next to Marie or standing next to Gabrielle. That's not, it's not the same. They also played in a back three, which masked a lot of Fofana's mistakes. I watched Fofana play and I thought, wow, good. He's integrating into this team, but he also made mistakes. Mistakes that if he made, like if Saliba made those at Arsenal, I don't think the fans would be super nice. You know how we are, you know? So I get the idea that maybe he's ready to step in and maybe play some Premier League games for Arsenal Football Club, but to start 38 games in a row, it's a little far-fetched for me. I don't know, you know, but Jim has a good question. He says, it seems Arsenal are rating the lower half of Premier League clubs for players. Besides the ones linked, who else would you like to see them look at, you know? So maybe besides the obvious ones like Bazuma, you know, there's some other ones, you know, that you can think of. Um, some people have been mentioning like Pereira, you know, is that somebody that you would like to see that, you know, Arsenal look at? Um Let's see. Who else can we think of? Our boy, Jess, at Southampton. Ibrahima Diallo. Yeah, Ibrahima Diallo. Yeah, for sure. Um, I thought you were going to say James Ward-Prowse there. I got all excited. <laughs> I mean, James Ward-Prowse. I love a bit of James be... Ward-Prowse. I love a bit of James Ward-Prowse. I love him. I love him. You know the Arsenal fan base is too snobby for a James Ward-Prowse. Yeah. Tired right? the little player. Good at set pieces. He's a, he's a, he'd be a good squad player. Uh, I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin is someone who I really, really like. Big fan of him. I think, obviously, we're uncertain of how far he can go. His rise has been quite steady and subtle, so it's not as maybe exciting as maybe someone like Watkins or even if an Ivan Tony comes in next season and scores 10, 15 goals, that will just feel a little bit more impactful and powerful. But I think uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has a lot of the attributes to be a top forward, but we're, we're yet to see it consistently. But I think that's more of a reflection of the Everton team, the Everton setup, employing a manager who doesn't maybe ignite that passion and fire as much as he once used to in Ancelotti. So I think there are a few players, but off the top of my head, James Ward-Prowse, like him. We've got a set-piece coach, but we don't have a set-piece expert, and he would be that. Can play centre-mid, can play kind of right of a three. Could even play right midfield if you want to. Could probably fit in at right-back if you wanted him to. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin, big, strong, handsome, very well-dressed centre-forward, and I like those things. Yeah, we're we're kind of limited on our handsome points, I think, these days. Harry's trying yeah. to get that handsome level up. The but I have I enough. Want. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, what I want is unfortunately injured until January, and that's Ebrieze. Um, yeah. But yeah, him. I think the other one that I'd like to see at Arsenal is Douglas Louise, if we're looking at sort of uh, lower level teams or, well, Aston Villa have done well. Um, that's another one. I do like the likes of him. I think next to Aparte, he'd be really good because uh, I think he's got attributes of going forward, carrying the ball, but he's also really solid defensively. Um, I mean, McGinn's been a weird one for me because he's such a 
underrated or under sort of like praised player. He's just such a dirt. Like, I don't want to say the word, but he's such a dirty B word. Like he's, you know, like the way he played against like England, like he was just like you know we don't have that we don't have that personality in this team where you know someone that just needs to take the game to them when it can get a bit scruffy and rough and and I think McGinn would be a nice just squad player to have just for those kinds of games like for example if our Watford was you know like we've been accused of not having kahunas for example like them kind of games would be really good for him um but yeah, no, I think I like, I like John McGinn. I think John McGinn's a really yeah. good player. I yeah, really, really McGinn. underrated. You, um, yeah, I think he's, he's got elements of Jack Wilshire to him. That low sense of gravity, the way he drives yeah. when he sees the space, drives into it. Really good technically. Once again, it, it really is so much of it is about perception. And because he's Scottish, it's weird. Because Kieran is Scottish, you you feel like oh, he's a defender. He's strong. You know, he's a resilient left back. But when it becomes about central midfielders, you maybe don't think that they they can play football and technically it's good, but. John McGinn is, is a great player. And if he was Spanish, if he was Brazilian, if he was French and his name was a little bit more fancy, the whole the whole <laughs> noise around him would be so much different. But I think yeah. John McGinn's a great player, great shout. If you, There's um, somebody... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, if you, if you go back to my account, I've been a John McGinn fan for about a year and a half right now. If, if he is a, a, like a statistical unicorn. If you actually look at him, and you know, Tifo Football did an unbelievable video on him, I believe, like about a year ago. And, and when you look at the qualities about what he is, he is a totally malleable midfielder signing. You can have him play deep in a pivot. You can have him a little bit more advanced ahead of the ball. You can have him as the most advanced in, in the play. Um, he can lead a press. You know, he's great over those five or 15 yards. He gets goals. He literally impacts every area of the pitch. And he's one of those players that, you know, is a Swiss army knife. So in terms of, you know, putting him on the bench and when you have a center mid option, I love players that can do more than one job. And so John McGinn is awesome. You know, another one, I, I do love Matthias Pereira, but also Mikel Olees from Reading, who I've also talked about quite a bit in terms of the backup attacking midfielder. He's one of those leggy um, attacking mids. The only thing is he is quite young, so you might think it might impact, you know, ESR's development in terms of, you know, squad management. But if I'm looking at really cheaper um, areas and lower half, not just Premier League clubs, but the championship, he's probably one of my favorite players right now. Ease, ease is really upsetting because, look, his injury, I actually don't think we're ever going to see the ease that we saw again. That, that injury is horrific. It's a, it's a ruptured Achilles tendon and it was Pretty a complete bad. tear, right? It required surgery. And that is just, it's, it's horrible when you look at a winger trying to create separation. That's, that's literally the worst injury that you could have. But yeah, I think those are great options. Of course, Thierry Small, I'm going to get him in there. He is my <laughs> promo, okay? The uh, Everton left back. And that's a fee that we could totally do right now in terms of backup for Tierney. Six years apart from Tierney, already with the England U19s and already a man. We love that. He's like 6'1". He's got great explosivity. Um, he, he is an amazing pick for me. He is the pick, the leading candidate for the backup left back position. If if I didn't think that he probably wanted to continue to start, I'd probably say I think his name is Rico Henry, the left back from Brentford. I think he's very good. You know, the first time I saw him play, I was like, wow, like he'd be a nice, you know, balancer behind Tierney to do something a little bit different. I think he's he's very good. He's somebody that I would consider. But I'm sure with Brentford coming up, he's somebody that would want to like start, you know, so he would be my choice. Matt G asks, imagine Eddie and Ketia, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Reese Nelson played for newly promoted Premier League clubs. Do you think Arteta could convince them to join Arsenal? 
I hope not. <laughs> Would yeah, we want he's struggling. Them? He's struggling to convince um, Champions League uh, contestant players and Thomas Partey to join us. But um, I, I don't know if he could get those um, championship newly promoted clubs. That's a that's another level, guys. We have to understand where we're at. Um, no, like yeah, of course he could. Um, that that that's not an issue really at all. Um, I, I think. One, one good thing about these three that you mentioned, though, they all have uncertain futures and maybe like a broader perspective that I can pose to the panel and piggy off this is, you know, how many of these are loan players or decisions that have to be made now? Because they're all homegrown young talents with some different ages. You've got Ainsley Maitland-Niles at your high end at 23. You'd assume that has to be have have a decision made while Eddie Nketiah has one more year on his contract. What do we do there? And, you know, Reese Nelson, again, young struggling player in his development but do we loan do we improve like what are what's the philosophy um from an academy youth i don't know what's going on on twitch <laughs> see a bunch oh, of people from, 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 raid, from what i understand raids are when another channel basically ends their stream they can eat they can send their watches over to another channel that's, that's all I know about you it. You know, it was weird that it was like it went from 85 to 100 and something like very quickly. And I was like, that's so strange. But I guess now that makes sense. Welcome, everybody from Twitch and wherever you guys are coming from. There's 120 of you guys watching right now. Make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel and send your questions in. This is just a full on Q&A. No personal questions, <laughs> you know, just footballing related stuff. But it doesn't have to be just Arsenal related. So... Sean well, has a question for me. Thank you. Um, Sean's asking just what about Anthony, Anthony Robertson, Robinson as a left back, you know, backup. He has some neck break tackles in him, this guy. Like there's so many clips of him doing some like really crazy tackles. I think he's a very good player, but I think we've kind of spoken about this on in the channel before. Although I think he's, he's quite good. I think, He's in a place in his career where if he wants to continue to make the U.S. men's national team, he needs to be starting. And so I don't think he would be at the right place in his career to sit behind Tierney. I just don't think it, it makes sense. Would I take him? Probably, yeah. But would he want to sit behind Tierney? I'm not sure. You know, so he's he's definitely somebody that I like, but I'm just not sure. But I guess we can talk a little bit more about left back cover. That's something that we haven't really talked about in in length we haven't really been like reliably linked with anybody um patrick van arnhold anybody <laughs> what are you guys I thinking mean, about that yeah i see a mixed opinion here george says no harry says yes i mean where do we stand on this <laughs> well for me i think it's i think it's because he's a good low-cost option i think he's permanently proven um he does fit like the thing is, we've got to understand it's a backup option. We can't be looking at a world-class, you know, starter for Barcelona. We can't be looking at, you know, like, that's the thing. It has to be someone who's willing to be a backup coming in. And that's going to be really difficult to find a, a really quality one anyway. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I think Patrick Van Aanhal just to fill the void for now. And then we can look at maybe like Joe Lopez, for example, from the academy, hopefully get him developed up and, and ready within the next sort of year or two to come in and become a proper backup left back and then potentially take over. Um, I 
disagree on Patrick Van Arnholt. I'm ready to start recruiting youngsters that have the drive to want to impact the team. Um, everybody knows I just did it a couple minutes ago. Thierry Small is that guy for me. You're looking for a homegrown option. I think there's a couple criteria when you look at backups, right? You look at you. You need to have players that, like you said, are willing to be backup, but also challenge for the position. Um, I need to have players that are homegrown, most likely. And, you know, I also want them to have a big enough distance to our starter that it doesn't become a squad management issue. Because, unfortunately, Kieran Tierney, um, you know, while I think the idea that he's injury prone is is just ludicrous, but, you know, we do need a backup there and we need somebody that's going to be able to uh, play. But I've seen the Kolasinac example, right? I think it's not just a matter of getting a backup there. We need to make sure that that profile is good. And while I like Patrick Van Arnholt, on the ball. I have serious concerns off the ball in terms of his awareness. And I'd rather use that development time on a youngster that I believe can a make the position his own in the future, but B also raise value for us going forward. So when you're looking at it, other options that I've seen are of course, Josh Doig from Hibernia and, you know, from Darby, we have Lee Buchanan, who are both KT profiles. But the issue again is I see Terry small has that world-class explosivity that those two lack. You know, they're great options. They're in a similar profile. But if you're looking for that world-class separation in the Alfonso Davies mold, that is Thierry Small. Again, he's only 16. He's turning 17 this summer. So when you compare that with Kieran Tierney, who's going to be turning 24, that's an excellent progression plan. And he's hungry. He wants to actually play. And, you know, a big reason why he hasn't signed the contract is he's demanding first-team football, as he should. He's, he's probably England's best left-back prospect right now, kind of throughout the academy and F.A., so in terms of doing that, I think that's the cheapest option. It's the best option from a progression standpoint and also the qualities there. So it, it hits all the uh, uh, projects. I haven't today. seen him play, but he doesn't have any PL experience currently, does he? Does he have any PL minutes under his belt? No. No, yeah. So, I mean, if Kieran Tierney's out for the first 10 games of the season because of an injury, are we saying that, you know, a kid with no experience is going to start left back for us in the Premier League? I Same mean, way you're seeing it with Josh Doeg, right? Same reason with Lee Buchanan. Tyreek Mitchell really has got sparing minutes. I think when you look at it, if you're going to go youth, either you go Bertrand in that mold, which I also did want, or you go youth, right? In terms of the two, they're, they're slightly different philosophies. But, you know, again, I tend to lean to accepting the youth because of the potential that it has for us going forward, A, as a business asset, but also B, playing-wise. I think John. I, I, think I, I just sorry. I, sorry let me just, I just think it's it's you know it's too risky because essentially we're still a vulnerable team, uh, and you know talk about fly or die or sink or swim for a young fella with no PL experience to be potentially starting left back next to a centre half in Gabriel who is still finding his feet or next to centre half in Mari who's still still finding his feet. I don't think the I don't think the two options are you know thirty years old or young. I think we can find that that middle age, but then obviously we have to make sure if they're 24, 25, they're hungry enough to push Kirantini, but they're also patient enough to understand that they might be number two. Um I think yeah, I think it's really, really risky. I'm I'm sure this kid has got a bright future, but I think it's really really risky guys, to have Kirantini is- and then a zero appearance back up this is probably going to be the hardest position for them to fill um this is probably the hardest one because it has to get done it cannot be someone that we end up um tied to for three to four it can't be another cedric type scenario where the coach doesn't even trust to play him we're we're actually weakening our midfield because we don't want to play the guy that we brought in on a four-year deal to, to play in that position and then you have young players that are not going to want to come in knowing that we don't have Europe. So there's not going to be a lot of games for them to play. 
So for me, this is something that has to get done, but I'm not quite sure how the club does it without, you know, tying up a lot of resources to somebody who's probably not that motivated, you know, because Patrick Van Arnhold, I mean, he's, he's not a bad player, you know, that's fine. He's still playing in the Euros for the Netherlands, but I just don't like that type of signing. It's not my thing. Like, I'm like, please, can we find somebody young? But I understand the trouble in trying to find somebody who's going to be 100% second fiddle to one of the best left backs in the entire universe, Karen Tierney, number three, our future captain. No, I think yeah. from my perspective, the only, the, only, the only problem that we come into is we've got to think about this season and we've got to think, okay, Kieran Tierney has had injuries. We don't know whether he can have a full 38 games. Um, and this is like anyone who's saying it, it's all based on speculation and it's all based on hopefully he doesn't get injuries. And I think the, the club do need to go with the mentality of he could get injured. Because I think that's the safest way. I think the club are going to take it seriously. And I think that's the best way to approach it. Because you haven't seen a full season where he's not had an injury, where he's been able to play. I'm not saying every player needs to play 38 games. I'm just saying, you know, be able to be be 90% of the season where you can call upon that player and maybe like, you know, one or two knocks or just rest them because they've been playing too much. Um, it's a very difficult one because, you know, I think for me, I think, the position Arsenal are in where we need to be competing and we need to get back to where we need to be. We need someone with a bit of experience, whether that's a 30-year-old or whether that's a 24-year-old. I just think with a young player, yeah, buy them if you want to buy them, but not as a backup option, but just as a future prospect that you're just going to loan out, but you just want to buy them so you owe that player. And I think that's the best way for me to go around that. Well, the tough thing is, again, it comes down to this argument, right, where, look, I don't necessarily think you need Prem Proven in every single transfer, but if you're looking at the experience aspect, I think that experience has actually let us down. It, you know, it really, uh, there's enough precedent on both sides that I don't think either is wrong. Let's, let's put it that way. I think what I would personally do as a coach is, A, I need to have a player that replicates the profile, right? So my one fears about this is I know Patrick Van Arnholt. He does not have the explosivity that Kieran does. If we do employ him, we're going to have a class in Act 2.0, in my opinion, in terms of the defensive awareness. I, I don't think that there is a, a suitable experience backup that we don't have to spend money on that fills that experience void that what we're talking about. It would have to be money. And at that point, I just think if I'm taking a risk, I'd rather use my backup slots as homegrown, A. Like that's one of my absolute squad building kind of fundamentals, right? Whether that's backup keeper, center mid, whatever, I would rather that be academy youngsters and have that bleed in through the team. And so for me, I don't feel that Joel Lopez is actually going to make it. I really struggle with his projection. And so I'm not just buying Thierry Small really for the first team, but he, he's got to fill in that academy youth that's going to come up because you ideally pair a Patrick Van Arnholt or a Bertrand or one of those experienced with a youth prospect to take over, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. that's the idea. You want these experience to bridge a point where that youth backup has minutes and you can bet it in right. But I don't see an option that's free or under the 5 million kind of pound range that fits that for me right now. Bertrand again would have been my choice, uh, but that seems to be off. And I would have actually paired the two, right? Free signings and Bertrand and Thierry Small. That was my plan. That would um, have been good. That I would. Yeah. I, that's what they in, needed to do. 
Think... In an ideal world, Kieran Tierney's fit for the you know for the whole season or for the first fifteen games, and someone like Small comes in off the bench, plays 10, 15 minutes here and there, and then you get to start him at an easy home game and you bed him in. But my only concern would be, like I said, is if Tierney somehow is out in the first ten games or whatever it might be, then straight away we're asking for a kid to step in at left back, and I just feel like oh, I feel I feel nervous for a young player already. But I'm not saying that he can't do it. Martinelli's coming and done well. When Doozy came in and done well, it's certainly not impossible. But I think um, when you're a defender, I, f- I feel like it's a really big ask. But that's just my opinion. Jordan Tech has a question. He asks, who do, who do Arsenal build their team around in the upcoming season? Um, I think this is an interesting question because I think based on some people believe that you need to build your team around somebody specifically. I think you need to build your team around a philosophy. And that's it, like around the philosophy of the club, not around specific players. I think that's where you start to make mistakes. But let's see what you guys think, because I think this is an interesting kind of conversation to have. Do you think we should be building? Because just a, a year ago, it was we need to be building our team around a bombing. You know, he signed the big deal. We need to be able to build around him. Now it's like build the team around Saka and ESR. And I really just feel like build the team around a philosophy. That's the way to go. Harry, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think you say build a team around Saka and ESR because they're almost, you know, the rising stars of this team. And we've seen what Saka can do, especially recently for England. I mean, I'm inclined to say not necessarily build the team around, but get the best out of Thomas Party. Make that work. And I think everything else really, really works for us. I think once we have Thomas Party absolutely flowing and dominating midfield, I just think we'll, we'll see Saka, we'll see more of ESR, we'll see more of a number 10. Um, and we'll also see, hopefully, some goals from Thomas Party as well. So I would be more inclined to think, let's try to replicate what we did with Vieira, which is give him the right midfield partner in, in Petit or then Gilberto. And let's get everything ticking from midfield, dominate games how we used to. Um, yeah, but otherwise, yeah, like you say, ESR and, and Saka, you could certainly build a team around them because hopefully they're going to be with us for the next 10 years, scoring goals every single week. I'm with you, Jess. I'm on a system. You know, like, I think that's the most reproducible blueprint. You know, I always talk about structure, infrastructure. How how do I get these positive indicators? And for me, um, you know, I think we've become too individual in the last 10 years. If you kind of try to zoom out, I think one of the biggest changes that Arteta has done in terms of the culture, these non-negotiables and all those ether buzzwords that everyone loves is that we have removed the importance of the individual to sacrifice the benefit of the team. And for me, that's got to be the crux in terms of what we build our future on. So everyone knows I'm an invincible freak. I'm kind of that man that loves my quartet box in the back of just absolute dual monsters and athletes from the center. And I love my attacking in five channels. Now, I would ideally always love to kind of base your opinion off of Hale End and, you know, we can build off specific players. But again, I'm with you, Jess, where if we have a system that, you know, and, and even a criteria where we look at what is an Arteta player, that is perfect in terms of, you know, having an ethos that we keep repeating because I don't think individual names are going to get us back to the top. I think smart moves in the market are how we're going to end up doing this, as we always have done, by the way, um, as Arsenal. You know, we, we look at gems and we look at, you know, how can we fit a specific style of play because um, we, we, we looked at lost causes. You know, I think when we look at some of our most successful transfers, they're from teams that, you know, struggled you know Thierry is the absolute poster boy for that point you know if people really go back in terms of their history like he was a great player he was but you know in terms of Syria he was struggling and you know we we brought him in to do a job that was totally revolutionary of course 
but he fit a specific philosophy about what the new Arsenal was going to be from an Arsene Wenger standpoint. You start to follow those transactions, the Vieiras, you know, they all followed a very similar philosophy of dual monsters that, you know, could cover large spaces and were explosive. So for me, I got to do the same thing in terms of my new system. Let's orient in terms of a philosophy and a structure and go from there. You have 60 million to spend. Who is your midfield next year? So this is from Olivier. Well, I think he means next season, like this coming season. Yeah, 60 million. Yeah, that's Um, it. To fix the midfield. And that's it. I'll go first because this is not really that difficult for me, to be honest. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> okay. Here I if am I, thinking about it. And it's really if so I bad. only, if all I got is 60 million, I'm throwing, you know, 30 or whatever it's going to cost, 35 to go get Yves Basuma. It's going to stop playing games. Hey, and then I'm going to take my other 30 and give it to Leon and bring in Husamawa and be done. <laughs> And be done and be freaking done. Play three through the middle, play with a wall off the left, Thomas off the right, or a Mill Smith row if we're getting funky with it, and then put Eves Basuma through the middle. Or I play Husuma Wall off of the left, put Emil Smith row in the 10 roll, have Basuma and Thomas Party in a pivot. Boom, bam, we're done. Fourth place, winning the league, whatever, Champions League, all the things, Carabao Cup, Mickey Mouse Cup, all that. Who's next? I'll, I'll <laughs> Not go I'll go because mine's mine's short and sweet. I would uh, offer Granite Jacket a new contract and a signing on fee of sixty million pounds. Done, done. Oh, That's it. Easy. I mean, Next. Yes, oh, I stole man. my thunder. I don't know what to say. Really. You know what? No, I'm gonna go and just change it really slightly and grab um, Samare from Leicester. No, I like. I, I'm going to raise the bid because I believe he is a better player. He's my plan A. He always was my plan A. And I'm going to poach him. I don't believe that's done until I see them in the shirt. You know, I have this really faint belief. And so, yeah, I'm getting, you know, Bubakari Samare, who's going for 20. I would even raise the bid, make it 30. He's worth way more. Um, but just get him from Leicester. And, of course, Husamawara with that money has to be the play. So I would get those two for $60 million. Oh, I like the next question. Souls, you have something else? I was trying to think of something, but I'd, I'm not sure what the market value of some of the players are. So um, I like Pedri. I think Pedri would be a really good one for the future. So he'd be someone I'd keep an eye on. Um, but I think with the way that La Liga has been, they might demand a high price for him because uh, he is a young prospect on a decent contract at the moment. Um, that's the only one that I'd go for someone that's not being mentioned at all and an outsider player that I'd like to see at Arsenal. He's a he's a brilliant ball tempo player. He's only like he's he's only just come in. This is his first breakout season. Look at him for Spain, even at Barcelona doing similar things. Um I think a few seasons ago if you asked me I would have said Frankie De Jong. Like he would have been absolutely perfect but he's gonna he his price is gonna be rocketed now. Um but yeah no I think Basuma and Awar are probably the two uh, you could probably negotiate a Wars fee down to 25 million and try and how much is Lokonga? I think they wanted 17 to 20 million for him, right? So that yeah. would just take it too much. But yeah, no, I think 
They I mean, send, send Eddie to Brighton and just and well, no, yeah. not just that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I think I think the Ben White I think the Ben White deal will give us some pulling power with Basuma as well. Um, Matt, mm. Hopefully that's part of the ploy. What about I mean, Yuri you Tillman? Need relationships. Yuri Tillman. He'd be too much. He'd, he'd be they, like, they, um, what are they going to sign for? Over 60? and spank you, yeah, and ask for a fee. They would just spank you, brother. I'm not joking. They're after like 70, 80 million or something. They're, they're really what? Yeah, 60 million. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't think Telemans actually fits um, kind of the, the idea of what we would go for, really, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, if we're following what our system seems to be looking like, he's one of those malleable players himself, but he's really just a true box-to-box. And um, I, I don't see us doing the twin box to box thing really um i see us going a pivot but yeah but he is a good player though so can i can i say on the locatelli thing right um, yeah he's got juventus or he's got <laughs> arsenal i'm sorry but juventus arsenal ooh, not a tough one really at the moment i just think i think for locatelli he's gonna be thinking of it as an italian man himself he's gonna think juventus is the dream you know that is the yeah. creme de la creme for them and to get recognized from them is probably more well i mean juventus are a very historically successful club one of the most successful in europe anyway and to go and play in that setup with depending on what happens to Ronaldo, arguably one of the best players of our generation, he's going to want to take that move over a mm. potential project that could work. That's He does look so good, though, Locatelli. He does look very good. I would love yeah. him, very, but very logically, good. it's a waste of time to even try. Yeah. I don't. I'm not it's, as high on him, actually, yeah. as a profile, to be honest with you. Um, you know, with Locatelli, um, he goes to ground quite a bit if you do watch him for Sosulo and um, he His is compilations going to... the first three minutes are him <laughs> on the ground sliding like you know what I mean like I didn't think that was like special I was like are you getting beat <laughs> like Look, you know what I mean you know what I struggle with here one thing I'll say because I love giving devil's advocate is it totally depends on your type of sitter okay like it is a little bit of, of a subjective thing I can't sit here and say that you know pace and power is the only way to win the prem and, and whatnot and because it's not we, ha we have examples of you know both working I just have always felt that you know athleticism doesn't limit the ceiling of your team Whereas, you know, deep line playmakers that don't carry that elite athleticism are going to fundamentally at some point they're going to be targeted. And I see the same issues with Locatelli. He has excellent progression, but why not get Samari and you can combine the both. Samari has better progression than Locatelli. That's a fact. You're not going to survive this Samari playing faster thing, are you? I can't because he's the myriad of both. I don't have to sacrifice my deep line playmaker you know, vibes with a passing range because Samari has that, but also mm -hmm. he's a dual monster. So I get my Basuma want and I get my Locatelli all in one for the cheap price of 20 million pounds. It is simply but the reality the though. You know that if, I mean, we, I mean, this is not the first time that Arsenal fans have mentioned him <laughs> and I was met with, who is this? He's not good. Oh no. And then if you buy him for 15 million, Oh, he's a little cheap. He must not be good. Like, you know what I mean? It's like... Yes, yes, yes. What's going to happen, right, is Samari's going to go smash it at Leicester. All these fans are going to be, ow, oh, I've said it for 50 billion years. We should have signed him before <laughs> I was born. I told you. And, and I... It's like, I don't listen to... Our, our that's Gareth Jackson? The, I thought that was Gareth Jackson. I'm not even going to lie. That was so funny. I am not listening to any Arsenal fans. Yeah, they don't. They don't know what they're. They, they're so flip floppy. It's it's hilarious. Um. Yeah. For reals. I 
I agree. Maggie, this is a really interesting question. I've seen you've been trying to get this in here. And thank you so much for being here. You come to like most of the streams and awesome. You know, so Matt says, what's your unpopular opinion? Mine is, I think it would be selfish for Arsenal to sign Grealish. He would spend his peak years dragging us back into top four. He should be competing for trophies. Now, I'm going to give the guys a chance to think of theirs, but I already have one kind of at the tip of my tongue. You know, I wouldn't spend any amount of money on Jack Grealish and I wouldn't sell Smith Rowe for any amount of money because we have Jack Grealish in Smith Rowe and any Arsenal fan that would sell Smith Rowe to Aston Villa or anybody else is crazy. Sorry. I know we like Jack Grealish, but we have Jack Grealish already. I saw a lot of people trying to rationalize how it would be okay to sell Smith Rowe, the ready-made replacement for Jack Grealish at Aston Villa to Aston Villa. What, what's happening? What are we doing? What's going on? If you have Smith Rowe, we don't need to spend the money on Jack Grealish. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell Smith Rowe for $100 million because if you think Jack Grealish is worth that amount, then just wait a couple of years and let Smith Rowe become the player that he's going to be. So, yeah, it's kind of two-in-one. I can go. I can go. I can go. I've, I've got one. So um, I said this at the beginning of the window, but I believe that, you know, Josh Kroenhoek and KSC are going to give Arsenal a really big war chest. I really feel that we are here to spend money. We have changed a corner. And I have a lot of positive indicators that I believe that, you know, our budget is a lot bigger than what people have, have thought. And I think it's just pure evidence on the Ben White issue. Um, I've been saying it for a while where I believe as a business and as an asset, you need to invest in order to save this. Because right now they've been pumping money in for the last couple of years and it's been losing value. And so I, I really always relate it back to business and from a pure business perspective, because this is what these people are. Either you let go of an asset, which they clearly have said no. No matter what we feel about this, you know, they don't believe that they want to let go of that asset. So they don't, they're not looking to sell. That means for me that they're looking to invest in order to increase the productivity of that asset. So I've always felt that, you know, KSC are going to give us a huge summer. I actually think it's a lot bigger than even I thought. You know, I always felt that 150 million was going to be our upper range. But when I'm seeing Ben White going for 50 million in the first two weeks of the transfer window, I think that speaks volumes. You know, um, that's probably my unpopular opinion because I don't think many people believe that that's what we're going to see. But I think I've seen enough in terms of how we're doing our business that that's the way forward. Um, and, you know, I don't know if we'll be doing this long term, but certainly this window, we're going to see an uncharacteristically high spend from Arsenal Football Club amongst the highest, I think, in the league. And, you know, I don't think that the gap between us and the top team, top six teams are as big as what everybody is going on Twitter. I really feel that the step that we make next season is due to the imbalance that we've seen in the past ones. So it's a it's a little bit of a combo. We're going to invest and the idea that we're so far away is really a lot of hyperbole. Yeah, money, I've, money, said, money. I've said many a times that since Edu and Arteta and the Cronkies have you know, become a, a working unit together, take the Super League out of the equation, which I know is really, really hard for some Arsenal fans to do, that they've actually done a, a decent job. And bar the Willian signing, uh, it's been a few good windows. Uh, and this summer, we are already off to a good start. 
But naturally, you know, I read a lot of tweets saying like, as if Arsenal would go would go for this player. Our owners never do this. Our owners never do that. So you you're already telling yourself that your mind is made up, and you know you're not willing to move forward. So my unpopular opinion would be that we as a fan base uh, need to stop living in the past. We need to live in the present. We need to know where we are. We need to realise why we are where we are. And all of the people that wanted all of these managers out and all of these players that weren't good enough, whether it was Giroud and Walker and Welbeck and whoever it is, go back as many years as you want. Since since all of these changes, we've just become worse. Now, I'm not saying we should have kept those players, but what I'm saying is sometimes as fans, as much as we think we know, uh, we, we don't always know and we don't always have the right answer. So my unpopular opinion would be, Stop living in the past, be positive and give our players, especially our younger players, the right environment for them to succeed in. Because I don't think as a fan base, we are unified enough. I don't think we support the team enough. Um, and I'm scared that when we go back into the Emirates, first couple of games of the season, if we get some shaky results, I am, I'm genuinely petrified of what the Emirates will become genuinely because I don't want to be in that stage yep. when we go 1-0 down at home and all fans have lost all perspective in there Arteta route Kronky's this da, da, da. it's just going to become poisonous and we're going to go round in circles and circles and circles it's the same as the England job for years no manager came in and done a decent job at England really because it's it's a poison chat. It's a really hard environment. Southgate comes in and he's doing a better job, but everyone just wants to take the mickey out of Southgate because Sancho's not playing or because he's got four right-backs in a 26-man squad when whoever you call up as 24th, 25th, 26th man, you're going to have two or three more players in one position. But you lose perspective, you lose sight of what's important. Very long answer. I don't know what my answer actually is, but on to someone next. Here's a good question from Henrik. Who you got at right back? Is Chambers enough with Cedric as reserve? I think this is a good question because I haven't seen us reliably linked to any right backs like whatsoever. And then you have Ben White who could potentially play there. You know, Chambers played well towards the end of the season. But I mean, like, what a nightmare would it be to have White and Chambers playing over there doing basically the same thing? Like, we need something else there. But it doesn't feel like it's a priority at the moment. What do you guys think about the right back situation? Is Chambers good enough to do a nope. job there with set? Okay. Nope. <laughs> Straight up. No, I think I think Chambers is a good backup option or someone that can come in and do a job. I think I think what people what, what people need to understand is what we need in those fullbacks is what Taney is. And we need Taney basically on the right hand side. The way Arteta wants to play is very fullback oriented. It's not I know a lot of people say, Oh, he's copying Pep. Well, guess what? Why aren't you going to follow a philosophy that is the most successful since Johan Cruyff introduced it? It's won World Cups, Champions League, trebles. And don't forget that same system is one of the only systems to win eight trophies in a calendar year. The only club to do it. So why aren't you going to implement parts of that philosophy? Take the good bits, revamp a little bit of your own take on it and... And that, and that is very fullback oriented. Look at Liverpool, another successful club, yeah. Trent Robertson, the prime players that make that system tick. One of them's injured. Guess what? The whole system collapses. I know Jordan Henderson has a big part of the Liverpool team as well, but but it's the fullbacks that make things happen. And Trent's had a bad season. Liverpool's had a bad season. So there's correlations. Look at you know Man City. They spent a lot of money. They they spent probably the most amount of money. On um, fullbacks. sort of on fullbacks, yeah, like Kyle Walker, Jao Cancelo, and uh, they had Danilo before that. They 
Um, obviously, the only one that I don't know why they're not addressing. It seems like it's a it's a Pep Arteta thing. It's just not addressing left backs. I just think mm. they just don't know about him, or they just don't acknowledge the fact. Oh wait, we've not got a left back. Shit. But yeah, no, I think I think it is a very important position, and I think once we can kind of, I don't, look who we get. I'm I'm not sure. I think Aaron's fits for me. Aaron's is a really good profile of player to get in. Um, I know George said, but for me, I do think he's a lot, lot better just, than people think. Just, just quickly on Chambers, I think you know, mm. I'm a sucker for a revival story. I'm a sucker for a turnaround. I love to yeah. see players. I love to see players who are a little bit maybe seen as average, kind of improve, improve and grow. So look, if Chambers starts right back next season, I'm not going to be terribly sad based on his form towards the end of the season. I agree that it's an area that we should certainly try to upgrade to be elite. Um, but in the same token, like I say, I like just giving a, you know, giving a chance to a, to the average guy. And I think Chambers is really underrated. Um, and I think he's come in and, and done quite well. So if he was our first choice right back next season, I wouldn't be crazy Harry, sad. I love the sentiment. But that's what's got yeah, maybe you. that's what it is. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm just too nice. I'm just too soft. I'm just a bad <laughs> Look, yeah. um, okay, I've spent the last uh, six months trying to educate Arsenal Twitter on Rido Baku, and I cannot sing his praises more. Um, when you're looking at a player, okay, uh, he just led the assist for the under-21, um, you know, World Cup and, or Euros, sorry. And you're looking at a player that can play inverted outside. He doesn't, he doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's literally the perfect profile in terms of what we need as a player, right? He satisfies my versatility argument. He used to be a right center midfielder. You know, if you do watch in, I think this is a player that is due an explosion. This is a player that, you know, is going to be a 60 million pound player, in maybe a year or two. Um, I think this is the type of move that you need to target in order to raise, A, the age profile of a squad, replicating tyranny on the profile aspect. I mean, if you want that, then I don't know if, you know, Aaron's carries the same explosivity. If you want that kind of fullback in the end, then you have to recruit somebody like a Rydell Baku. Um, I think when we've recruited... Another one is Sergino Dest. Dest is okay, but again, I... I think that, you know, when you look at Rydell Baku again, he is the complete aspect on both sides. If you want an inverted right back, he's played midfield. He's so ambidextrous. He can do that job. He is he has recorded the most sprints in the Bundesliga, so it's not an intensity issue. He is absolutely the most intense option on the market. And then when you combine that with the fact that he's even gone up at right wing, he is a little mini Saka. So when I'm looking at it, I cannot look past Rido Baku because he is on the precipice of a big explosion. Do I think that we actually sign a right back, though, guys? I don't know. You know, it's no. not just links, but the idea with a Ben White, I, I said it when we were first linked, I really feel that we've upgraded Chambers in every sense of the word. And while he can totally be an option in terms of versatility at center back, I have this sneaky suspicion we're using him, particularly with how we play, where we go with a 3-2-5 in build-up and we transition to a 2-3-5. I, I just, I see it. He did it for Leeds. He does it for Brighton. I, I don't know if that's what I would do. Again, I, I really want Rido Baku to be purchased. I want to make that clear, but I'm just preparing fans. This is a very big possibility that we see Ben White there, uh, particularly along with Saliba and Gabrielle. I, I see it quite quite clearly. But I mean, I, I can see, you know, because sometimes, you know, we see it as like a 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. 
But sometimes when they show like the Bielsa system, it's actually like a three, 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 yep. one. Like, you know what I mean? So it could easily be Ben White, Saliba and Gabrielle. And then whoever plays right midfield can drop in a little bit to, you know, not not going to get too tactical here, but sometimes it does look like a three, 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 you know, all the way up, you know, so that could definitely be it. That could be on the cards. But Robert asked souls, you become the new director of football. You can do three, have three footballing decisions. What do you do besides hire me as the coach? All right. I can't You're hiring me, right? I, well, I can't know any. You said besides that, so, you know. So besides that, yeah. Um, I think I think the first thing that we need to address is sort of backroom staff. I think we need to get a good scouting network in. We need to get good contest people. Are good. I'd keep like I said. I've always said this. I would keep Edu, but just tell him, look, South America. That sort of American market, you go deal with that because you seem to be really good at um, finding talent, finding scouts, you know, deal with that side of the market. I'd bring in an Overmouse or a Van der Sar, deal with the European market. And then what I would do is what Arsenal are currently doing, head, head hunting for scouts that are going to be really crucial to our philosophy and the way we want to play. Then what I would do is revamp the youth system. And what I would do is what Man City are going to be doing. And that is an in-house training academy and education system. And that's going to be a community kind of thing. And that's going to breed footballers to not only be an have a level of education, but also be educated on a philosophy of how to play football and the way they want to be playing football. And they're going to breed that from a very young age so that every part of the whole system is going to be drilled to play to be ready for the first team. And I think they're the sort of changes I would do um, if, if, if it's an immediate, on an immediate effect. It would be a future project. And I would take that sort of La Masia model, the Ajax model, and bring it over to the bring it over to London, really. Perfect. <laughs> Bubba Schwan asks, question, is Martinelli overrated by our fan base? He's a Liverpool fan. He probably doesn't rate Martinelli as high as we do, but just to let you know, your man Klopp rates Martinelli very highly. So if Klopp, you know, does he know ball or no? You know, but just according to that, no. <laughs> so do we overrate him? <laughs> what do you guys I think? think I, I think Martinelli uh, is going to be class. I don't think yet he's class. And I think uh, he's almost had uh, the right... Uh, the right amount of minutes. I think he probably could have had a few more substitute appearances, but I think he's going to be class at the moment. But I don't think any Arsenal fan can honestly say like he's world class now. But I think he's got an incredibly bright future. A hundred percent. Yeah, you look at every single statistic. Martinelli is a unicorn again in terms of overrating potential. Maybe we do that, but you know what? I would just argue every single fan does. When you look at any of your youngsters who you truly believe in has had a great moment, who hasn't become a starter or a bona fide starter quite yet, we do this as fans. I would maybe agree on the aspect that we maybe overrate um, our personal homegrown talents or our foreign youngsters that we've bought in, maybe. But on Martinelli, I think that's really the wrong bone to pick. You're really, you're literally picking one of the uh, one of the players that's been highlighted not just by Arsenal fans but by Brazil. When you look at how um, carefully they're treating that situation, right? Like they've they've highlighted him as a very key fixture for the national team quite early, and it, it doesn't strike me as coincidence that Martinelli has got the biggest praises from not just our 
Arteta, not just from Arteta fans, but from some legends of the game, um, you know, have outside of the club highlighted him for a big future. And I doubt that they're all wrong, um, even if we might be on occasion. But um, when you're looking at the just the specific numbers, they have a, such a small sample size that you can't extrapolate them. But guys, you can only do what's put in front of you. And I do think that this injury actually kind of masked a lot of what his um, development was going to go through. I think he was due an explosion prior to the injury. And um, I think it's it's kind of glossed people's eyes about his actual potential. So, yeah, I think Martinelli is absolutely a dominant force in the future. My, my, my answer is one word, Bakayo Saka. <laughs> And, yeah. and I, all right, I'll explain for people who don't understand what I'm saying. He played one game and shut all the haters up. They were like, why is he in the England squad? Played one game and now everyone wants him to play the next one. So when Martinelli plays, you'll understand why we're rating so highly. I think. I, think, I mean, one I, thing, Arsenal fans, we understand youth. You know, we understand youth products because we've had some of the best youth come through our academies and all that kind of stuff. So one thing we do know is talented youth. I think we're all kind of like in an agreement about Willick and Reese Nelson. Like one thing Arsenal fans do not blow smoke about is young, you know, young talent. We know what it looks like because we've had it before, you know, but Don Juan just wants us to set the record straight. Ben White, yes or no? All right. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Oh, we converted Jess, by the way. She really did. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you guys. I tried to at the time, but you know. I'm going to find the, the direct messages where I was like, Ben White. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Like, no way. No way. No way. <laughs> I can't I also wait. thought I we were wait. skint. Let me just say that. I also thought we were skint. I immediately saw Saliba's face flash before my eyes, and I thought, what's going to happen to my baby? You've got like, an unhealthy you know? obsession with Saliba, a very unhealthy obsession with Saliba. Don't it's say that. Little... We're live. Like, are you serious? Weird. People are going to think... A little bit weird. <laughs> okay. I don't have an unhealthy obsession with Saliba. I'm just like everybody else in the fan base. I'm worried about him. I'm worried. But then when I looked at the statistics, and you guys told me all the great things about him, and I went back and watched games, I'm thinking, would I rather him be receiving the ball from Leno or Rob Holding? And I'm saying, yeah, I'd rather it be him, <laughs> you know, because Rob Holding, <laughs> wow, <laughs> release the ball. <laughs> so, but yeah, we're going to end it there. This is a good show. We made like an hour, so that was perfect. There's 130 of you guys watching right now. Make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel. And everybody who's sending questions, thank you so much. If you guys have, you know, further comments or whatever, just once we, you know, it, it's not live anymore. You could just go into the comments and, you know, I'll reply to them there. Yeah, I'm not, you guys never know. You guys know I never really know what's coming on next, you know, so just look out on Twitter and then just if you're subscribed, you get the notification. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. So we'll figure it out as we go. But you can follow Harry at it's DJ Harry on Twitter. You can follow George at George V underscore AFC. And you can fo follow Gunnar Souls at Gunnar Souls. It's right there on the screen. And yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, y'all.